This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide you, our listeners, all the real facts, the real stats, and the real story about our local market. Heck, you wouldn't go into a football game without a well-prepared game plan. Well, why go into the real estate game without a well-prepared and strategic game plan so here we are today we're going to get into that and to help out i have as a guest we have carmen jimenez phillips realtor with keller williams realty here in fresno good morning good morning don nice to see you again and to be here yeah thank you seems like i've seen you a whole lot on zoom meetings Yes. The past year. That's been our life, yes. Happy to get back to a little bit more normal. Yeah. Oh, it is. Um, Although, I don't know, somebody told me that I should still wear a mask Um, so that they didn't have to look at my whole face. I don't think so. I like the smiles on people's faces. (laughs) All right. Um, Carmen, you are an active realtor out there. In fact, for our Association of Realtors, you chair a couple of committees, the scholarship chair for the uh, Realtors and Affiliates Foundation. You also chair, co-chair the Investment and Exchangers Committee. So today we're gonna talk a lot about investment and exchange, mm-hmm. but you're also, oh, and I also have to say, and congratulations to Carmen Jimenez Phillips. You were just elected by the general membership to be a director for the association uh, and you'll be one of 12 people making policy decisions for our 4,000 member membership. Yeah, that's an honor and very um, humble to have been elected. Yes. Yeah. Look forward to it. it. It's a good, great job. I've done it before and just don't mess it up, Carmen. Okay, I'll follow your lead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I say don't mess it up. <laughs> um, all right, but you're also an active realtor. So tell me, what is the, what's going on in the market right now? I, I'm hearing all kinds of things and seeing different. Yeah, it's an interesting market now because, you know, uh, sellers believe it's a seller's market. I don't have to do much to my property to get it sold. I actually want to price it, say, at a listed price, but I expect to get twenty to thirty to 70000 more on the property, right? And I don't want to fix anything. And you need to let me stay for free, maybe for a year. That's just a joke, but it feels like you're it right embellishing now. that a bit. 
don't give our listeners any ideas. <laughs> no, that's an exaggeration. Um, you know, I think we have to be mindful of the buyers out there that uh, are looking to buy and uh, really um, hopefully sellers uh, can work with them and uh, just have a little bit of sympathy, right? Oh, yeah. So, and I think what you're talking about with sellers, there are some sellers who receive $20,000 over their asking price. And yet, when the buyer asks them to fix a fence post, they don't want to do it. Right. It's like, hey, this is why we chose your offer. And um, we still have to remember it takes two to make a transaction. Yeah takes a buyer and a seller and um you know and it and i'm gonna add to that it takes a happy buyer and a happy seller and that's why i love this business because we truly can have a win-win transaction yeah and truly we see a lot of that you know we see a lot of positive escrows right now a lot of us working together to make sure that all sides you know are amicable and uh, have a win-win like you mentioned so the others are rare but you know it's a mentality out there i think i see a little bit of changes though i've seen that um, new, new construction has maybe slowed down a bit i had a buyer on wait list number 50 two months ago. 50? Yes, 52. Not 15, but 50. Yeah, 50. Wow. And they were called last week. So what we're seeing is probably maybe because the prices have gone up, buyers have uh, wait, are waiting a little bit longer. Maybe they found other uh, homes in secondary market. But um, it's getting interesting. And the prices of lumber, as you heard, are very expensive. So that's causing builders to have... Uh, more costs involved in building and uh, sending those costs off to the buyers as well. So it's an interesting time. So it you're saying you're are you seeing a slowdown? Yes. It when um, there's not a long wait list on new construction, and um, you're not getting 20 offers anymore on properties, and they're not selling in one or two days. I think that's a, a change we're going to be looking at. Yeah. But, but I wonder, um, and let's not mistake what slowdown means. So when we, go, when we go from having 20 offers to only 12, eh, you, you, it's still a hot market. It's a hot market, but, you know, you can see uh, a little bit of a change, mm -hmm. right? A temperature change, if you will. Okay. Or maybe it's too hot out there right now <laughs> to be out. I could be. Actually, yesterday I showed um, three, three houses, and there was not a waiting line like at the curb right. on the sidewalk like you see so often mm -hmm. uh and but i'm going to attribute that to the 110 degree weather yeah that and you know i think buyers are more specific and they're more cautious and more um, ready to look at what they really want they're not um looking at everything you know that's available mm -hmm. and that's good advice there i gave that advice to the buyers yesterday don't just buy something because it's available. Mm -hmm. It better be the right house for you, even if it takes another month or two or three. Buy the right home because that's where you sink your roots. Right, and you said something interesting right now. Buy the right home because we're seeing a lot of uh, homes fall off the market. You know, they go into escrow, buyers make offers, and I'm not sure if it's buyer's remorse or maybe they try to negotiate afterwards with the seller once they get their offer accepted, but we, we're seeing a higher number of offers come back on the market or properties come back on the market. Mm. Yeah, I, I've seen that too. Mm -hmm. um, 
it, and you can almost tell what caused it. So in a 30-day escrow, if it comes back on the market the next day, on day one or day two of the escrow, it was probably buyer's remorse. I agree. <laughs> if it was day 10, it was probably the home inspection. Yes. If it was day 20, it was probably the appraisal. Yes, correct. And if it's day 29, there, there were some weird problems in that thing. <laughs> yeah, and you know what it is, too. We have to remember that the uh, lender will run the credit at the end of the transaction, too, to make sure all is the same. And I had one occasion where, not on my escrow, but in other agents, they told me that the um, uh, something appeared in the buyer's credit. Maybe they purchased or co-signed for someone, and you have to be cautious of that. And uh, if you're buying a home, make sure not to take other anything extra on credit <coughs> because that will... Um, um, not help you mm -hmm. and we um mentioned day 20 the appraisal issue um there are some people that are waiving some buyers to make their offer more attractive are waiving the appraisal contingency but you have to know that you have to be able to back that up so if something sells for three hundred thousand, and the appraisal comes in at 250 and you're getting a loan uh, you were planning on getting a loan based off the 300 the lender is going to lend off the lower of the two the mm -hmm. purchase price or the appraisal so that means you have to come in with an extra 50,000 cash and if you only had an extra 5,000 you should never have waived the appraisal that's correct and you know what I find interesting is you um, uh, talk to agents and they may say well the buyer waived the appraisal and I said, ask, do they waive the inspections? And they say, that would be crazy. But it's not crazy <laughs> to waive the appraisal, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, there's a second thing. One, you can waive the appraisal. That means carte blanche. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to pay attention to the appraisal. But then there is a thing called an appraisal gap uh, clause where you're saying, like, and, and in the case I, sh I gave where the buyer only had another $5,000, they could have said, I will waive it up to $5,000. So if the appraisal did come in 50000 short, um, they, they have a, it's contingent. They have a option to get out. Yes. Because, and it's really not an option. It, it, to me, it sounds like they could not perform. And not performing on a contract is something that needs to be communicated immediately yes and sellers are willing to take that risk because you know they have that gap like you mentioned it could be now it's not even five thousand it's twenty thirty thousand gap that they will pay and and that's uh you know if i was a seller i think i would take that risk right Mm-hmm. yeah so you're saying that you're seeing the market slow down does that mean buyers should wait a few more months till it's even lower or and you didn't even you didn't say lower so i take that one back but should buyers wait to see if it goes lower i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon and the problem with waiting is that you you have higher interest rates so um we discussed before um with a lender that uh you know back in time when rates were 4.5 maybe percent uh, that people would buy a home for two hundred thousand dollars. Now you're buying a home for three fifty, and it's the same payment pretty much because you were able to get under three percent. Mm -hmm. So uh, waiting, I don't think would help someone. 
All right. Um, what about sellers? Uh, is this a good time for sellers to put their home on the market? I think it is, especially if they can um, um, acquire the high prices where people are paying for their homes right now. Um, it's a great time. If I were a seller and had something to sell, I would, even if I had to rent back or find a rental short term. And then uh, we're seeing um, sellers saying, well, I want to sell now, and then I'm going to wait and see what happens with the market. They're willing to rent for a little bit just to, you know, see if they can get a better buy later down the road. There, Yes, there are people like that, and that reminds me of me uh-huh. about, well, this is back in the 1980s, and I did that. I, I thought I would time the market and uh, not realizing somebody would ring, thinking that somebody would ring a bell at the top of the market and the bottom of the market never happened. But anyway, after about a year of renting, because I was still waiting to buy again, my accountant said, you're going to pay a lot of taxes this year because you lost your homeowner's deduction. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So. Yes, you're right, and I think um, anytime you know you have those abilities to write that off, it's a good time to buy something. So I, I wouldn't wait if it's the right time and you have the right home. I, I say just do it, right? Because you have to live someplace. Yeah, and if you're buying it to live in, you're not just buying for the investment; you're buying to use it also. So you, if you wait for the prime time investment-wise, then you end up losing the use of it. Right. So with that, we're going to go to our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Dodd Scordino, your host. And uh, we've been talking with Carmen Jimenez Phillips of Keller Williams and uh, about the general market. But um, I do want to get into a different topic uh, today, uh, or for this segment here. And we have a special, special guest. Now, Carmen, you're a special guest. (laughs) But the next one is special, special. And that's because uh, Bobby Thistle, uh, who has been the board operator here at Welcome Home Radio for four or five years, is here sitting in a different seat. And um, the boy's growing up. Well, thank you, Don. I, I appreciate the opportunity. You've been persistent. Yeah. Okay, the backstory here. For years and years, I said, hey, Bobby, can I just have you on the, you know, ask you a few questions or, or you ask something? He goes, no, nah, it's not. But, okay, so he graduated from Fresno State uh, recently. Yes, 2013, recently-ish. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's always wonderful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, yes. And... Uh, has now gotten into the insurance business with Farmers Insurance. So uh, I wanted to introduce Robert Thistle with Farmers Insurance and um, now working, you're working out of the district office? I am. I'm working out of the district office, the Farmers District office, and I started a couple months ago. Uh, Well, during the pandemic, it was kind of like, I want to try something different. Mm -hmm. So I saw this opportunity and it looks like it, it would challenge me, and it, it definitely has, to say the least. And I've been trying to get licensed since February, and I finally did a property casualty license, accident, life and health license. So I can pretty much sell any line of insurance. So I've been doing it for about a couple months now. 
All right. So what are some of the biggest questions that you get asked by, by clients? Well, the main thing most clients are worried about is the price. Yes. Um, and why, why are my rates going up every year? That's a big question as well. Hey, I'm coming up on renewal. Can you explain to me why my premiums are going up $50? Okay. Why don't you answer that one for all of us? Why are, why are rates going up? Well, I would think it's the cost of construction, the reconstruction cost, the cost of materials, steel, wood for your home is, is going up. So that explains that. And there are, there are inflation guards built into the, the policies to try to, you know, keep that under wraps. But it's just, you know, pretty standard in the industry, I think. Oh, yeah. And I've seen that. I, I have several investment properties with different carriers and um, they've all gone up. Yeah, and it could be maybe you had a you had to you know do a claim, and that will make your rates go up as well. I wish I I haven't had a claim on my rentals in I don't know twenty twenty five years, maybe wow. even longer than that. So I've been a good risk. Absolutely. But and and I know Carmen as an investor, you're you're thinking well that's because you take care of your properties. Yes, that is key, and that's what we should do: provide mm -hmm. a good environment for people. But I would say Bobby probably is well prepared because he's been in here listening to so much going on with housing over the years, right? He is well prepared. He knew not to get into real estate. <laughs> he got into insurance. In fact, that was the first question that came to mind. So after listening, to, how, how long have you been the board operator here? Uh, it's been a while. Four I would think maybe, maybe six years. Six? Yeah. Uh -huh. Flies, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like 50, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, or it seems like one, you know, it just flies by. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, so you knew enough to get into insurance rather than real estate. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. All right. Um, so, other than price, on a homeowner's policy, what should the client be asking about? Well, they want to make sure that their structure is taken care of. They want to make sure they're not underinsured. And a lot of times when I run a quote for somebody and I take a look at, at their declarations page and I see, hey, you're only covered for 280000 when my system says here that you should be covered for 300000 for your for your property. So we want to make sure we educate them, hey, you know, your premiums might be lower with your current carrier because you're being covered for less. So we want to make sure that you're covered properly. So what that would mean, let's say in the – you're underinsured to 280,000 but and there's a devastating fire burns down right. and it costs 350,000 to rebuild right right and you're only going to get a check for 280 am i right exactly and that's something that we definitely want to want to try and avoid and mm -hmm. built into like our enhanced package we have standard enhanced and the next generation and in our enhanced package we always make sure that it would be replacement cost coverage compared to actual cash value, which is, that would account for depreciation. And then we also have extended replacement costs, which gives you another 10% on the amount of your coverage A, would, which would be, so 300,000, you get an extra 30,000 in case the cost of reconstruction was that much higher. Okay, so that's where it's important to, to go beyond price. Right. Because obviously the, the actual cash value that 280000 is going to be the cheapest. Right. So if all you're talking about is, well, Bobby, I can beat your, your price by $12, then, <clears throat> but you're not comparing apples to apples, 
uh, right. it could have a bad effect. And especially if, if, if it's your home that you live in and it, you know, it burns down, you know, you want to make sure that you have enough money to, to, you know, build yourself back up whole. So you're not coming out of pocket $50,000 or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. I like that term. You can build yourself back up whole. You, you've been paying attention in the training classes, huh? I try. Yes, <laughs> I try. And I have a good support staff at the district office. They really take care of me. And believe me, I go to them every day with questions. Hey, I had a caller, you know, ask about this. What should I do on this quote? And so I'm lucky. All right. So um, it, it's okay to get a the added coverage of replacement. So let let's say you started your policy last September so you're you're 10 months into it nine ten months into it and of course in that amount of time the cost of materials has really skyrocketed right lumber so yes. um, if you get the replacement coverage yes even if lumber keeps on going up it's you're you're covered well every renewal we call them our farmers friendly renewal we want to make sure we're going over that. Hey, the cost of materials have gone up this much. So in order to you know, make sure that you're properly insured, your premiums are going to go up you know, X, Y, Z. And it's always, I, f- I feel like it'll be better for clients that they don't just get their bill in the mail or on their phone and it, it goes up $60 and you never heard from your agent. So it's important that you reach out to them and you let them know what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I even think it's to go beyond that, and this puts in a little plug for you, is it it's your local right so absolutely i'm local i'm right here i'm you know 10 20 minute drive away from you from fresno clovis area and our claims department is 24 hours so you know it's the customer service as well being local that Mm. i try to sell on yeah you're not the 1-800 number (laughs) (laughs) i had a friend many years ago got out of insurance and he said he he said too many people are just fixated on the premium and the good service, the good, the personal local service loses because of twelve dollars, right. and and, and uh, so he became an attorney. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. So, in the event of that devastating fire, burns it down. All right, you know you can rebuild the house, but where are you going to live in the meantime, and who pays for that? We would, and uh, that's loss of use. So while you're home is being rebuilt, we would pay you, and there's certain time periods, up to six months, 12 months, even 18 months on some of the commercial properties uh, for the, the construction company to have time to rebuild your home. So we would pay for your rent for an apartment or a hotel uh, while your um, home is being rebuilt. So you are covered if that happens. Yeah, you're not just like on your own, go find your own spot to live while we rebuild your home, but there is coverage for that as well. Yeah, I recently had a client who uh, lost her home in the in paradise in mm. the what was that the campfire, I, I believe, and um, they provided a new home for her uh, to rent for, for a year, mm-hmm. and um, so so that worked out really well. What about deductibles? Yeah, deductibles uh, are a big thing. All right, um, tell us why and, and what what should a client look for there. You know, I always try to, you know, for auto insurance, a $1,000 deductible, homeowner's insurance, $2,500 deductible, um, because you don't want to be going to your insurance company and, and claiming those, you know, small losses that might wreck your day. You might have to pay 1000 bucks or, or whatever the case may be. You know, you want to 
you want to make sure that if you have a higher deductible, you're going to free up some more, you know, premium dollars for maybe a cross-sell opportunity. Maybe you want to have a better life insurance policy. You want to have, you know, a different policy. So if you have a higher deductible, it does free up more money, um, and it makes the premiums go down. So that's interesting you say about not turning in a claim, and I'll give an example. I said I haven't had a rent claim on any of my rentals in a long time mm -hmm. i did have one where a plumber went out there to check the toilet and he jiggled the thing and and uh then he he left not realizing the thing was still clogged and running well he left and next thing you know the the carpets flooded right. uh and th there was a about a two thousand dollar loss uh, of flooring and all that but because i was right on it and same day was able to get that carpet ripped out get things dried out um i didn't turn it in even though it that two thousand at the time was above my one thousand dollar deductible right well you're a savvy business owner and <laughs> you'd be a good client to have definitely <laughs> to take care of it on your on your own but yeah there are coverages for that like the sewer and drain and then another big one is the, the the service line, which runs from the street to your home. Those are definitely ones you always want to tell the client, are you aware of what this means, and do you want to add this on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that one, the sewer line. I think that's big, right? Yeah, the service line. That covers, you know, the, the plumbing or the, the pipes, uh, electrical from the, the street to your home. And the service line is one that not a lot of people know about or, or have with their current policy. So, And it's not much more money. I mean, you're talking 20 to $30 more a month. Mm -hmm. to have that coverage because if that you know happens I, we saw a claim recently that it, it was fifteen thousand dollars to get that fixed wow and if you don't have any coverage <clears throat> you know that's just important that you make sure the customer is aware of hey this is available for to you and you should definitely consider it so um what are some of the add-ons that you can do like for uh, i hear a lot about earthquake insurance right right so the california you know, the Earthquake Association, so the CEA would be something that you would add on. Or like flood insurance, you want to make sure you add that on because that's not included uh, in your homeowner's policy, at least ours. So earthquakes, floods, and then you can also add like a jewelry floater. Or if you have really nice, you know, you have a nice, you know, case of guns or whatever, you want to add, you know, money to that. You want to make sure that you add extra coverage for that. Or you have nice china or silverware or imported rugs. Those are something... I mean, our policies come with about $1,000 in those areas, but if you have $20,000 in jewelry that's not insured, you want to make sure you add that on mm -hmm. as an endorsement or a floater. All right, so like, let's say in my case, could we lower that $1,000 jewelry to 100 bucks so that we, I could save money? No, because well, <laughs> it's included, so you might as well just keep it. I mean, it's not going to save you any money. All right. Uh, very good. It's about time for our next commercial break, but I want to thank Bobby Thistle for do, being our board operator for six years and also for being a good new local agent. And you can reach him at Farmers Insurance at 559-801-8413. And, um, and best of luck, and I will give a personal testimony here. If you're fortunate enough to have Bobby work with you, you're blessed. So with that, we'll go to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. 
Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here we are with Carmen Jimenez Phillips of Keller Williams and um, a realtor and now a director with the Fresno Association of Realtors. You are also an investor. And uh, tell us a little bit about your investment history. And then I want to get into why should somebody consider investing? Yes, I got into investing before I became an active realtor. I say active because I had my license in 1998, Mm -hmm. and that's when I started investing, but I didn't uh, come into the business as a realtor uh, until 1999. And um, I started with units, with a duplex, and um, I just kept going from there. You know, I just found... um, What cross streets were the... Carmen and Wishon. Oh, you would have to buy on Carmen Street. And you know what's <laughs> funny? I didn't even see the interior of the property. I just drove by, and I loved the architecture, and I, I said, this is it. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I ask that is there doesn't seem to be a lot of duplexes or even in the Fresno-Clovis area. It, um, there are in some of the older areas, but you don't see it too much. Yes, that's right, especially in uh, like uh, Fresno High area, mm-hmm. 705, you find a couple. So um, what made you want to buy that particular place? Well, we are looking to buy um, a property to live in. So we figured why not buy a nice property that you, you know, you like the tower district, right? You like the architecture of the area and uh, it served two purposes. One, you have a place to live. Second, you have a, a tenant there helping you make the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes back to what I said in the first segment about when you buy property, you buy it to invest in it and also to use it. So the duplex can be two at one. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we see buyers, uh, first time buyers looking for their first homes and uh, they're focused on the forever home. And I always try to tell them, you know, especially if they're younger, you know that they're going to move in maybe three to five years, 10 years, right? Because things change. You start a family. You have different um, things that you're looking forward to. So I think um, buyers that are listening out there, maybe you're never going to find the perfect property, but maybe focus on something that can service and you for now and be a stepping stone for the next property. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. So... What advice would you give to somebody out there who's thinking about becoming a a real estate investor? What advice would you give them? I'm channeling my co-chair for investors right now, and he would probably say, make sure you have reserves, which is true. You know, you do have to be prepared in case anything goes wrong, like Bobby just mentioned with insurance. Um, Anything can happen. Air conditioners go out. um, you might have to fix something. You have to be prepared for those things as a investor. Okay, so you can't be living day to day and be an investor because eventually something's going to break. Something will go wrong. Yes, exactly. That would be risky. Yeah. So he, here's probably the classic example of what went wrong in in my career, and I I still haven't figured out what how I could have prevented that. So I rented a home to a nice couple, um, and they were, uh, he, the guy was probably three-fourths of the income. The woman was about a fourth of the income. She would not have qualified on her own. But together, you know, they did, and they seemed good. Uh, I drove past their prior place, and it was well-kept. So 
the first three or four months, they paid rent right on time. Next thing you know, I get a phone call from the neighbor saying, hey, the cops were out here last night. There was a huge fight going on. Well, what happened was, I guess, a guy came home and uh, wasn't happy with one of the guests that were there. <laughs> and so they got in a fight. Police came out, ar uh, arrested him, and there was a restraining order on the guy who now is three-fourths of the income to pay the rent for the there but now he's not allowed to go through there so the woman moves in the new guy um who was the guest that night am i being politically correct on that you that's, get the point yeah that's a lot of information <laughs> but yes i get the point all right and i said i need his name number social security number i, I need him for an application never got it never got it never got a nickel's worth of rent after that Next thing you know, she moves out of town with the old boyfriend, the, the original one. Mm -hmm. The guy, the new guy stays in there and moves in a couple other friends. I have no idea who they are, no names, nothing. And they didn't pay. I had to evict them. So that's where, and the point is, um, you have to have reserves because you never know when something like that's going to happen. Oh, and by the way, they were so gracious to clean out the house before they left. And I didn't mean clean. They cleaned it out. Took the kitchen sink? <laughs> they, no, they left that, but they took all the light fixtures. They were so nice to even take the garage door opener. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it, it happens, and that's an extraordinary case. You know, usually, for the most yeah. part, uh, tenants are usually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah good people. Especially because, and I don't know if you do this, but I interview them personally. So I, I look for that good gut feeling too. Mm -hmm. All right. So how about the investor who's into the mathematics of everything? The rate of return, this and that. And, you know, uh, but what's your advice to that person? Well, right now we're seeing more exchanges happening on the market. So for that person, um, you know, you have the investors that are starting and they, they have to put a lot of money down. So right now with prices so high, you don't see a lot of uh, opportunities of good buys right now, right? But people that are in uh, exchanging properties where they have to sell something to buy something else, uh, you were seeing more and more of those. And uh, for them, it's always a good opportunity because the property they're selling, you know, that they have been depreciating for years, um, they don't have to recapture that depreciation or pay capital gains. They put all those, that funds, the money into the new property. And that is perfect, right? That's what we want to see. So whether the property is 100000 more, it's not going to matter because they've sold. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot of that uh, taking place right now. Okay, so the exchange buyer might be more predominant right now than the first-time investor? Yeah, I think so. Um, mm -hmm. It's just rough to buy a home at 250000 right? Unless you can find, if you find a home for under two hundred, you're going to have to put 50000 to 80000 into it to get it ready. And that's a, a little bit steep for most first-time buyers mm -hmm. that are investors. First-time investors, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to say why I got into investing. Way back when, uh, uh, I was just right out of college, and a guy that I worked with said, you know what, but in, in 
45 years or whatever, by the time we're eligible for Social Security, there won't be one. So we have to make our own retirement plan. So I did it as a retirement plan. I bought a home, moved into it, lived there about a year, saved up more money, moved, went and bought another one and kept the first one as a rental. And then I did that again, again and again. And after a few years, I had a uh, portfolio of homes. And, and I, I called it a portfolio of alligators because it was hard to take care of them. And back then with, you know, the average interest rate was 11 or 12%. Rents weren't very high. There were negative cash flows on almost everything. That was a way of life for the first 10 years. And you just mentioned something. Rates were 11%. So your payments must have been twelve to 1400 back then, right? Well, I didn't buy anything that nice. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, but my payments were 700 to $900 okay. and rents were 500 to 700. Okay. So yeah, there was, the point is there was that negative cash flow. Okay, so now we're looking at higher prices, right? Where if you bought something for 250, your payment is probably going to be about 1100 if you're putting down 20%. So the rents are extraordinary in Fresno. We've seen them in the LA Times made records for the rent appreciation. You can rent a three two here in Fresno for fourteen to sixteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit uh, higher than the the proper the the mortgage payment, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's a good reason to buy real estate and get into it for the income ability. And if you're a renter, that's a good reason to go buy yourself your own home, because one thing I know for sure, prices will go up. But if you have a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage at 3%, you know where you're going to be in the year 2037. Yeah, and like Bobby mentioned earlier, time, time goes by so quick. I've had tenants that I, uh, when I purchased property, they've been in there, and they're still there. You know, 10, 20, I will say 30 years later, mm-hmm. they're still there. Okay. When we get back from our commercial break, I want to talk about something you referenced, and that is the exchanging. I think it's called the 1031 tax deferred exchange. So we'll get into that so all our listeners understand it. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're in the studio talking to Carmen Jimenez Phillips, a realtor with uh, Keller Williams Realty here in Fresno, an investor and also in charge of, or the chairperson for the Investors Exchangers Committee of the Association of Realtors. And we mentioned in the previous segment about exchanges. Can you tell our listeners, give us a, a elevator pitch, what is a 1031 tax exchange? Uh, A 1031 tax exchange uh, for investors is a means to defer your taxes when you're selling an investment property. So if I sell a property, um, I can use all that money into the next investment. It can be a like kind, like a house to a house, a house to units, a house to commercial. And um, I don't have to pay capital gains on on that money, right? So that's big. And you don't have to recapture that depreciation either that you've been 
um, you know, putting away for 10, 15 years. So it's a way for us to be able to move into a different property, maybe buy something bigger, maybe more units, and um, defer those those um, taxes. So I think the key word there is you defer the tax, you don't avoid the tax. Right. Someday they'll, they'll catch up to you if you ever sell the property or something like that happens, but uh, you're deferring and you can defer for quite a while. Yeah. I, I had a client at one point that had deferred, deferred, deferred. Uh, and uh, when he sold the property, he was going to have to pay a boatload in, in taxes. Um, and by a boatload, I, I mean well over a third mm-hmm. of, let's say, he had a million dollars coming to him about $350,000 was going to go just to capital gains taxes because he had deferred, deferred, and his day had come. So he did another 1031 exchange, did not have to pay that $350,000. And by the way, this was a working guy. He, he, you know, um, he was out, out there, he's an electrician, out there doing jobs for a hundred bucks a trip. And, and so, $350,000 $350,000 was a boatload of money. It is. And, uh, you know, that's like getting a property for free, right? So why not do that? Yeah. Well, that's a good way to put it because he did. He went out and bought um, four properties. 350000 was more than what I mean. he, he got a free house out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like to look at it I, that way. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think of it that way, but that, that's a good one. Um, all right. So when the day comes that you have to pay i mean what happens does irs knock on your door and say today's your day is there a time limit there's no time limit you can keep uh, exchanging so far so far um as you know um i don't know if you're aware but the president has proposed limiting 1031 exchange tax deferral to maximum of five hundred thousand dollars for say farmers for farms and we know that in the valley farms are big and uh, unless you're a tiny farm, most farms are worth millions, right? And um, that can affect a lot of farmers in the valley. Um, and this is to pay for the families, uh, American Families Plan. Uh, it didn't make Congress uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I'm sure they're going to try and rewrite it. Uh, let's face it, uh, when money is needed, you know, they have to come after investors, right? Yeah, so... That's a concern to us as investors. I like to, rather than call them investors, I like to call them housing providers. Yeah, I don't even too. like to call them landlords because they, it, across the nation, half our population are renters. The other half are homeowners. So that the half that are renters, somebody is buying that property for them and providing it for them and maintaining the roof, maintaining the air conditioner. Um, So it's truly a housing provider as opposed to an investor, though investing is uh, a motivating factor for that housing provider. Right, and like you mentioned, you know, this is uh, for us that are self-employed, a means of our retirement plan, right? So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, we do have to care for, for those properties and also, be uh, considerate of the families that live in the properties. I just had a tenant that moved out in end of May. It left a little bit of a mess, but we took care of it quite uh, right away. And um, 
I was thinking to convert that to an Airbnb, and that's a different topic, but um, I decided to just stay with the uh, traditional uh, renter mm-hmm. um, for several reasons. One, the neighborhood is uh, consists of a lot of uh, original homeowners, and I wanted the consistency in the neighborhood. And also, like you mentioned, to provide a good environment for a family to live in and uh, for the neighbors as well to become a part of those families and enjoy. I'm glad you brought that up. So you considered the neighborhood and the neighbors, not just the mathematical formula of the investment, that rate of return. If you would have just done rate of return, just the math, it probably would be an Airbnb today. Yes, those are big, and the money they're, they are making is incredible. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, and, and also, too, the time it takes to, um, you know, take care of the Airbnbs. I'd rather just do the traditional and yeah. uh, not have to worry about that. All right, but you 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 uh, thought about the neighbors, the neighborhood, more than the money, and that goes to what you are a housing provider. You're not just an investor, yeah, uh, be, because you were looking out for the good of others too. Yeah, so I think that's something we have to be you know considerate about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, why should somebody do a ten thirty one tax exchange? Why? To, av- to avoid a lot of taxes, like you just mentioned. Um, I had a, a seller that was selling um, an, a nineplex. And we started off, and I said, do you want to do an exchange? And he says, no, I'm not going to do an exchange. And um, I always, you know, make them aware of that option. So come to the end of the transaction, a uh, week before closing, he decides, uh, when he looks at the, uh, at the title company net sheet, he decides... Uh, that's a lot of money to pay. I think I need to do an exchange. And so we, they can do it really quick. So within the couple of days, we went ahead and uh, put him in a 1031 exchange, and he was able to buy another property in another area. And if you're going to do a 1031 exchange, you really need coaching on that because there are time frames. What, what are the basic time frames? And we only have about a minute left. So. Okay. And I've done a couple of those exchanges, and they can be very nerve-wracking. It's 45 days to identify a property and 180 to close the transaction. All and right. that goes by very quick. It sure does, especially in this market where it's maybe hard to find a property. And what if you identify one and then you don't get it ah, and yep. your 45 days is up? We, we identify a couple. That way you can close two or three. So good strategy is, yeah. And, and I think that's the point I was hoping we would make is that in a 1031 exchange, it's a strategy, not just a process. Right. So, all right. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming in today, Carmen. I want to thank Bobby Thistle of Farmers Insurance for uh, sharing his knowledge with us. And um, hopefully your new boss was listening. I hope so. Why not? <laughs> Wonderful. That's thank right. You. Thank you, Don. Okay. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. Thank you.